Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us to lead, learn, and laugh. Learn market knowledge and best practices to lead your company's success. And that's whatever type of company you work with. And laugh, I believe we have to have some fun along the way. Well, hello, I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. If you have any questions or comments related to today's show or any commercial real estate related endeavors, we do enjoy hearing from you. Give us a call at 888-612-SHOW. Or you can email us at info at CREshow.com. You can also reach us through your favorite social media sites. You can find them all at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're going to explore the hospitality industry. Please welcome my first guest, Mark Woodworth, President Collier's PKF Hospitality Research. PKF manages an extensive database of hotel property income statements and sale prices. The data provides a foundation for their e-business product and custom research relationship. Mark, welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thank you, Michael. I uh, appreciate the opportunity. Good to be with you again. Well, thanks for uh, calling in. Where are you today? Uh, actually, I have the good fortune and uh, privilege of being uh, up at uh, the hotel school up at Cornell University in Ithaca, which uh, life can't be better than when I'm up here, although I must say uh, coming into the hotel this morning, having it snowing out was uh a bit of a shock for an Atlantan uh, this time of year. <laughs> that's but happy to be here. That's great. Well, where are current national average occupancy rates, uh, uh, Mark, and, and daily rates around the country right now? Uh, Michael, they're they're at a a very important point uh, in in the cycle, uh, and I say that and that uh, we are getting very close to uh, arriving at the uh, long run average occupancy level of approximately sixty two percent per Smith Travel Research. But we, and we know that's an important milestone when we look at lodging cycles, and particularly when we're, we're going through a recovery period, in that when, when occupancy levels get back to their long-run average, that's when pricing power really comes back uh, in a big way in the hands of managers. So uh, with the, the, the attractive room rate growth that we've seen in the vast majority of markets around the country the last couple of years, uh, we think is really going to begin to accelerate, uh, particularly as we move into 2014. And those occupancy rates for the, the listeners who aren't in the hotel industry, uh, how does that relate to uh, what we call normal occupancy rates? Uh, it's it's uh, the, the, the uh, long-run average and, 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 say, normal levels of occupancy and a lot of other industries, as you allude to, uh, we look at uh, vacancy rates and so forth. Um, that, that's that's uh, very, very typical. And again, mm-hmm. that's the national average. Uh, as we move around the country, you have certain markets like a, a San Francisco and New York, where that long-run average average occupancy is uh, is is well up into the 70s, sometimes approaching 80 percent. But that's a function of just the unique characteristics that are indigenous to those particular markets. Okay. Well, I guess I have to change my broker pro forma ninety uh, percent occupancy. There you go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. What about average daily rates? Uh, where are rates now? Are you starting to see some increases? Yeah, we saw some very good uh, increases. Last year, according to Smith Travel Research, the average hotel in the U.S. Uh, realized a 4.2% year-over-year gain in, uh, in prices. Uh, our current forecast for 2013 sees that lifting up to approximately 5% with an incredibly strong uh, 6.2% is what we're forecasting for, for 2014. So as I mentioned, it's uh, pricing power in the vast majority of markets has, has really increased uh, substantially. Okay. And which types of lodging properties are performing the best right now? Is it the high end, the low end, the resort? Uh, what do you see there? Yeah, we're still uh, in, in, a, in a mode, Michael, where 
the, one of the ways I think of it is, is is the higher your room rate, the better you're probably doing. Um, now, we for, specifically, what we saw was uh, the luxury segment, you know, the, the highest end of the industry, uh, which, number one, took it on the chin more than anybody in the, in the, uh, in the uh, Great Recession that we've just coming out of. So they, they had a pretty uh, big hole to uh, climb out of, but they've done a great job doing that. So luxury hotels have seen some very, very significant increases in both occupancy and rates. And then as we move down to the other food groups, uh, you know, the industry terminology, upper upscale and then upscale, uh, think of Marriott, Hyatt, Hilton's, Weston's, uh, getting into uh, things like Hilton Garden Inns and Courtyards, uh, those higher price categories really across the board uh, have seen some attractive gains, and we think that those uh, that strong performance is very much going to be sustained for the, for the foreseeable future. Okay, and that's great. And, and how about casinos and, and resorts? Are they doing better? Um, we, we don't track uh, the ga- casino or gaming industry mm-hmm. really that closely at all. Anecdotally, um, the, the, the uh, casinos, and I'm thinking specifically the locations like uh, Las Vegas, mm-hmm. Uh, New Orleans to a degree, uh, of course, Atlantic City. Um, they're doing better, but still have a long way to go. There's still a lot of downward pressure on prices. Uh, resorts, on the other hand, are finally now beginning uh, to get some traction. Part of it is, is again, that higher-end traveler that uh, you know, I mentioned luxury hotels were doing well and so forth. That higher-end traveler, whether it's a, a leisure consumer, uh, we're slowly seeing uh, the group conference meeting segment come back. Uh, and importantly, uh, the, uh, we've seen record levels of inbound international visitation to the U.S. Uh, we set a new record in 2012, and the expectation is even more folks are going to be visiting us uh, in 2013. So all those are driving some some nice gains in the resort segment as well. Okay. Well, that's great. Well, it sounds like I can still get a good deal at my favorite hotel. They do drop in, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's where you're a frequent customer there. <laughs> that's right. Well, what about transaction activity? What types of uh, volumes are you seeing? And uh, are transaction volumes, uh, are, are they moving up? What do you see there? Uh, I'd say they're moving up slightly from, uh, from our vantage point. Um, uh, last year was a better year than 2011. Uh, 2013 maybe will be slightly better than what we saw in 2012. Uh, the real key is is that there's a, and we've been doing a lot of research on this of late. If if we look at what's been happening with hotel property prices, uh, while while income gains have been very very attractive for the last two to three years now, we've seen we've seen very little appreciation uh, in 2011 and 2012. And we say that in the context of looking at how property prices have changed in hotels they've been basically flat whereas in 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 all the other food groups office retail industrial multifamily we've seen some very very uh, good lift in in property values the last couple of years so there's something that's going on within the lodging industry uh we believe that from an investment perspective uh, as good as the fundamentals are and they are extremely good hotels are being penalized now because of the uncertainty that characterizes the marketplace and that hotels, unlike all the other real property types, as you know, that, you know, we operate on 24 hour leases. So we think that short term rental characteristic of hotels is, is really hurting property appreciation today. Uh, so that's not good, but we think that really the great news is 
that's going to be dissipating as we move through 2013. And we expect some very attractive uh, pops in hotel property values in 2014 and beyond. Okay. And is some of that uh, caused by the, the capital stack, maybe the, the lenders out there just uh, you know, choosing to, to lend on other types of properties rather than hotels? Yeah, and liquidity is still uh, is still very much an issue uh, in hotels. So uh, uh, borrowers just can't get the kind of uh, debt capital they were looking for. Yeah, another factor, and this isn't necessarily unique to hotels at all, but that we think is, is suppressing transaction volumes is uh, there's so much in those CMBS pools that uh, are coming up for maturity 2014, particularly 2015, that we also think that a lot of investors are continue waiting to, on the sidelines to see you know, how do these loans get resolved and might there in fact be some good opportunities coming out of those CMBS pools as these properties begin to mature. Okay. And what might surprise people about the hospitality industry today, Mark? I would say it's it's the the, the fact that, that by just about any measure that one could um, could take, that I would say that hotels have really led uh, 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 all other property types in terms of the overall recovery. We've seen some very, very attractive increases in demand. Uh, that outlook, uh, we are very comfortable, is going to persist through 2015, 16, maybe even beyond. So uh, really, it's just the strength of the fundamentals are looking better than just about any any five-year period of time that we can look back to. So uh, a lot of people seem to be surprised just because you know things like unemployment and uh, people looking for jobs uh, that we know historically are important to hotels. Um, the industry's been able to work through that this time around, and uh, things are looking extremely good. Well, Mark, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate uh, your intel. Okay, Michael, thanks a bunch, and I appreciate it. See you soon. For more information from Mark Woodworth with PKF, visit pkfc.com. Well, stay with us. We'll have more information on the hotel industry. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800 408 Bull. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. If you appreciate the intel the show provides for you, please share the show with your connections on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, and reach out to the show sponsors to see how they might benefit your business. Visit the show website. There are share bars on each of the uh, show podcasts at the tab Shows on Demand, and also a sponsor contact tab at CommercialRealEstateShow.com. Today, we're exploring the hospitality industry. Please welcome my guest, Judy Hendrick, CFO, Ambridge Hospitality. Ambridge is one of the nation's leading independent hotel management companies with 189 hotels under management in the United States and the Caribbean. The company is currently ranked as the number two independent hotel management company in the U.S. according to Hotel Management Magazine's 2013 rankings. Judy Hendrick, welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thank you, Michael. Great to be here. Also, please welcome Nelson Migdal, co-chair of the hospitality group Greenberg Traurig, an international law firm with 34 offices and 1,800 attorneys, including more than 200 real estate lawyers. They have offices in seven of the cities where the show is currently aired. Nelson Migdal, welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Judy. Happy to be here. 
Well, thank you both. And, you know, how has the current economic uncertainty affected the hotel investment client, and and how do you see the next year unfolding, uh, Nelson? Well, Michael, I think it's still kind of having a chilling effect on what investors are prepared to do and how they're going to spend their money. What I see unfolding is something that is a continuation of probably, you know, 2012, where, you know, folks have maybe heard of or read, you know, the tale of two cities. I think we have the tale of two coasts. When you look at the key markets uh, that are reported by folks like Smith Travel and J.P. Morgan, other than Chicago in the middle of the country and Phoenix, all of the key markets are on either the West Coast or the East Coast, New York, Boston, D.C., Orlando, Miami, L.A., San Francisco. So the investment climate is going to be choppy, and there's going to be more investment on the coasts and less on the inside of the country. Okay. And, Judy, what do you see from the CFO angle? Well, um, I agree with Nelson. It's it's um, a, it's kind of an interesting dynamic right now, and we see a lot of investment activity on the two coasts, and investors are a little nervous about the economic climate. However, um, from I almost feel sometimes like we're in a bubble in the hotel industry compared to um, other industries right now. Um, we're expecting to continue to see strong industry fundamentals. And um, right now, we're having great RevPAR growth, which is revenue per available room and how we measure uh, economic growth in the hotel industry. And um, we're expecting to continue to see that. And whenever an industry has those strong fundamentals, you still have an investment community that's interested in investing there. So. The, the strange thing is we're seeing a lot of interest in investing in the industry, but we haven't seen the activity yet that we expected to see. Um, and one of the reasons we expect the, um, the the dynamics to continue so well is because even though the U.S. is expecting very moderate growth, Compared to what's going on in Europe, um, it looks really good. Uh, China and India are a little shakier than they were. So there's still a lot of focus in investing in the U.S. And even with the small moderate growth that we're expecting, there's still going to be business travelers in the big industries that produce travel for the industry that will increase demand growth. And as we get to where the occupancies are that Mark talked about earlier, um, ADRs will start to increase. So you can start looking at investment in the industry creating a great return. but we're just not seeing it come into the industry yet. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. So overall, we're expecting um, about the same growth as we had last year and about the same investment activity as we had last year, which is low for historic standards, but it's better than it's been recently, and we expect it to keep increasing. Okay. And Judy, what do you expect to see in the capital markets and the type of deals getting done in the next 12 months? Well, by far, by far, the biggest change in the capital markets is that debt has returned to the market. And um, except for construction, lending, debt, and equity capital markets are currently relatively strong. And I say relatively because they have not 
approach the levels that they were in 2006 and 2007. But as an example, um, even a year, 18 months ago, if I wanted to go look for debt to refinance or acquire a property, I would have to search and search to get one quote from a lender. And now there are numerous lenders that have come back into the market. So that has changed a lot of the dynamic in the market. So we see a lot of companies that are refinancing maturing debt, and that takes those off of the distress market to be potential acquisition targets, but it also creates activities in the market. Um, so that's that's kind of the biggest thing that we see, and that's making that's driving a little more activity in the market because people can now find uh, lenders who will who will um, finance their deals. I thought I might drill down on that just uh, a little bit. Uh, Judy uh, is absolutely correct. Uh, other things, though, to think about is that uh, you know looking at the kind of deals that are going to happen. We hope in uh, the next 12 months, um, it's going to be important that your deal have a story, uh, something that has got a, a, a good location, has a story to tell, is uh, looked at more favorably. And the capital markets are really underwriting sponsorship and the brand. So what do I mean by that? I mean that if you've got an appealing deal and you are looking to get a term sheet from a lender, that lender is going to look at the capital stack on the ownership side. They're going to underwrite the sponsor. And they're also going to want to know what's the brand, are you flying a flag, and who is going to be your manager. Uh, strong companies uh, like, like Judy's, like Ambridge, for example, is going to be underwritten as part of the DNA of the deal. The lender is not going to say, oh, well, as long as you have a capable manager. They're going to want to know who it is and what they're about before they issue that term sheet. Well, that's a good point, and uh, that's how commercial real estate used to be, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. on all property types. I remember when I first started in the, the business, you know, part of the what we'd done when we put a deal under contract was put together the management contract and make sure we had some good talent uh, to handle the property, whatever type of property it was. And, Nelson, what do you see on, on smaller hotels, uh, the, the, the buildings under 150 rooms? Are they still having a little struggle getting financing? They are, they are struggling, um, and part of the way to look at your question, though, is a little bit of what is it about, because you do have uh, hotels that are smaller that are in that boutique lifestyle category, if you will, and right now, when you think about popularity, there has been a real expansion and a real desire for that smaller, boutique upper upscale luxury type experience. And if you can assemble the right team, uh, you will not struggle. That's different than saying, yeah, I am going to, you know, develop a smaller select service, uh, you know, in some suburban market. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a harder sell. That's true. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. We're going to have more on the hotel industry headed your way. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by France Media. France Media provides exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com or call 
8262. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. You know, you may be listening to the show anywhere today from Miami to San Francisco. The show has been broadcast around the world for two and a half years on iTunes and the show website, which is commercialrealestateshow.com. The show is also aired on 10 radio stations across the U.S. We'd like to welcome listeners in Dallas on AM 1160, KVCE, Dallas-Fort Worth Business Authority. Today, we're exploring the hospitality industry with Judy Hendrick with Ambridge Hospitality and Nelson Migdal with Greenberg Traurig. And uh, Nelson, we talked about the hotel market. It's, it's, it's a bullish, I guess, forecast. Is it a good time to buy a hotel? Well, I think it might be a good time to buy a hotel. I always hate to sound like a lawyer and say, maybe, which one do you want to buy? <laughs> uh, but uh, I think that the fundamentals of the hospitality industry remain you know, very solid as an asset class, and that there are certain markets and certain assets that can really still have some legs to it. We are seeing not a huge rush to do transactions, but, you know, we have closed recently uh, a couple of resort properties because uh, the buyer believes that there is an upside there in that space. So I wouldn't run away from a hotel deal. I just think it's going to take a little bit more care and a little bit more due diligence before you go ahead and go forward. Oh, that's a good tips. And Judy, is it time to buy a hotel? I've got to agree with Nelson. It's it's um, a difficult time to buy hotels, although it might be a good time to buy hotels. With fundamentals as strong as they are and increasing and improving, it's a good place to invest capital. But because of that, there's a lot of capital available to invest in hotels. And we're not seeing a lot of product come to market um, that we had expected to see either on the distress side or just more activity in the transaction market. So if someone has capital raised to buy hotels, and we do, we have a fund to buy hotels, we have a very difficult time uh, competing with major public REITs who were very active in the market in the first half of 2012 and then kind of dropped off as their um, – as their stock prices went down, but they're going to re-enter the market. And so those groups are looking for um, um, trophy properties in gateway cities on the coast, as Nelson had talked about earlier, and the prices get bid up, and their return hurdles are lower than ours. And so it's very hard to compete and get those good kinds of deals. So what we then lean to is looking in secondary markets um, for well-branded, well-located properties that may have a turnaround story uh, that would convince a lender to um, put good debt on there. We also buy all all cash, all equity if we need to, to be able to take those uh, properties off the market and compete in the market. So I guess the answer is it could be a very good time. It's very difficult to find the product, and we're all looking for those sellers to uh, get more comfortable with the economic uncertainty and with what's going on in uh, the capital markets to get those uh, properties on the market. Okay. And Nelson, what are you seeing as the types of hotel properties that are most popular with your clients? Uh, I'm going to dovetail a little bit on what uh, Judy talked about, because certainly we don't want to forget uh, some of these, what folks may call the interior cities or second-tier cities. 
we have uh, folks looking hard and actually doing deals in, uh, I guess, what, what Mark would call more the select service type. You know, I have to tell you, sitting here in my office looking at my desk, I have um, piles of files where folks are going to do a Hyatt place, uh, which is a kind of select service, 160, 161 rooms. They're able to find land. They're able to find lending. Uh, so those uh, seem to be out there. And the boutique space uh, is very, very appealing as well, looking for that conversion turnaround opportunity where you can find either a, a family seller that's looking for an exit or an apartment building or warehouse that can be converted into a boutique hotel. And in some cities, there are tax incentives available to fill that gap on the, uh, on the finance side to do a boutique hotel. Uh, the other things, uh, Judy mentioned this, uh, it might be interesting, Michael, for your listeners in a way, you know, but that big, big trophy property, you know, those deals still seem to happen. You know, the Essex House on Central Park uh, was recently purchased for $362 million. That's $700,000 per hotel key. Wow. You know, it was bought by Strategic Hotels and Resorts with KSL, and they can convert it to a JW Marriott. You know, and that deal still is happening. The old Ritz-Carlton uh, Reynolds Plantation in Georgia was sold at an auction, and that's real estate, golf, all these other assets, and it was actually bought by MetLife for $160 bucks at an auction sale. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break here. More in the hotel industry. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Sometimes opportunity comes along because you're at the right place at the right time. A commercial redevelopment site on Peachtree Street in Buckhead, Atlanta, appraised for $7.5 million, is now available for $5 million. For more information, visit the homepage at bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. I'm Michael Ball, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. If you'd like to know the absolute latest on any commercial real estate-related topics, check out our on-demand show podcast. For example, last week we did a show on the top mistakes to avoid with purchase and sale contracts. And be sure to check out a show on how the tax changes of 2013 may affect the commercial real estate industry. You can access the shows anytime on your smartphone or computer. Just visit iTunes or the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today, we're exploring the hospitality industry with Judy Hendrick with Ambridge Hospitality and Nelson Migdal with Greenberg Traurig. And, uh, Nelson, who are the buyers that are active out there right now? You know, Michael, the buyers uh, that are active are tend to be uh, joint ventures and including a lot of uh, public REITs. And what's interesting not only is who's buying, but who's selling. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, uh, Hyatt looking to move out of being a real estate owner and just being a manager, uh, recently sold to Summit Properties a portfolio of 10 hotels. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting from the point of view of both Summit as a buyer and actually a brand as uh, a seller. 
you know, other folks who are very active uh, is Rock Point. Uh, they just recently bought from Starwood, here you go again, a, a very famous, excellent brand, uh, Starwood, selling their uh, Manhattan at Times Square Hotel for $275 million, which was about 413000 per hotel room. Um, and you have Pebblebrook, very, very active. They bought the W Chicago Lakeshore um, with Chesapeake and then turned around and bought the W in Los Angeles. So, you know, you have these uh, well-capitalized funds out there uh, actively looking for mostly the trophy properties in the gateway cities. Yeah, and we're, we see the same thing. Um, we partner with a lot of private equity funds, and they comprise most of the buying activity in the second half of last year. And everyone that we do business with, and we do business with all of the big PE firms, are all looking to buy. Um, I think we're expecting about 60% of the global hotel sales um, this year to be dominated by private, private equity funds and REITs. Um, and I, you know, the the biggest question for us is who are the sellers going to be? Because almost everybody's a buyer right now, and um, so we're looking. And I agree with Nelson. The brands are looking to go asset light. Um, it doesn't help us much because when the brands want to sell their hotels, um, they want to keep the management usually. And we're always looking for properties where we can have independent management. So that becomes a challenge. Okay. And Nelson, who's providing the uh, financing for these projects right now? Um, it's easier now than it ever was to get a term sheet. Uh, the last couple of, uh, of deals that we were involved in, our clients told us they had term sheets uh, from sometimes up to five different lenders. Um, a bank called Fifth Third Bank uh, has been active in the space. Uh, Wells Fargo has been active in the space, as well as uh, J.P. Morgan, just to name a handful. Okay, and Judy, who do you see financing these projects? Well, you know, it's really interesting. Wells Fargo um, has always been, or for the past couple of years, has kind of majored in that space and has been the hotel go-to lender of the industry. And now um, all the lenders, as Nelson said, they're coming back into the market. What's really, um, I guess, challenging is because none of them seem to have a consistent plan of what they'll lend on. So it's being driven by balance sheet uh, capacity for the banks, geographic concentration, um, product allocation. And so you can't, as in the past, you say, oh, we know we can go to this bank and get this type of loan for this type of property. They're all over the place. So we take advantage of using uh, mortgage loan consultants, brokers, and that kind of thing just to scour the industry because we just don't have the resources right now when it's so um, scattered on what these lenders will do. But we're just very happy to be getting, uh, like we like Nelson said, five or six term sheets instead of hoping to get one on a deal. Yeah, that's helpful. And Nelson, of the loans you do see closing, uh, what are some typical terms that you are seeing? So the, the, the word typical is a little challenging today based on the last comment you heard from Judy, uh, because there really is no system. There are a couple of things that are going to be typical. One is going to be a higher amount of 
equity. Mm-hmm. You know, you are going to have to have a capital stack. You're not mm-hmm. going to walk in there with 20% equity anymore. So you're going to have to make sure your deal is structured with larger equity. Uh, we are seeing the interest rates, I think, being relatively appealing, you know, whether it's based on a prime or a LIBOR rate, uh, you know, plus a bump. Those are actually negotiated. Uh, I have had someone tell me just recently that they, you know, were looking at a deal. They thought they could do that at a at a 60% equity and a four to four and a half percent interest rate, uh, which is uh, you know pretty appealing. Uh, in terms of you know how fast, I just closed a deal in two weeks with a lender. I don't recommend it. It's a little stressful <laughs> on everybody. Uh, I think the lenders would like to have you done uh, 30, 45 days out. Maybe you could buy an extension. Uh, but uh, if everybody's motivated, it can be it can be fast if it has to be. Well, that's interesting. So stay with us. More on the hotel industry. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Does your company provide professional services to the commercial real estate industry? The Commercial Real Estate Show is an excellent way to reach your target audience. For advertising options, visit CommercialRealEstateShow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We have some interesting shows coming up for you, including a show on the retail sector, one on the industrial market, a show on the office sector, and an interesting show on apps called There's an App for That. Today, we're exploring the hospitality industry with Judy Hendrick and Nelson Migdal. And Nelson, I'd like to ask you about the significance of the Eden Rock decision on relationships between hotel owners and, and long-term management contracts and, uh, and their operators. Sure, Michael. I, I think this is helpful for your readers, uh, listeners, to kind of hear, because I think more is being made of this than needs to be. I do not believe that the long-term management contract between owners and operators is dead. Uh, this was a four-paragraph opinion uh, dated March 26 that really did one thing. It put an end to the injunction at the Eden Rock Hotel so that the owner could, in fact, replace uh, Marriott as their operator. It simply means that uh, if asked and required, Marriott has to leave. It doesn't resolve any issues about default. It doesn't resolve any issues about damages. And sometimes folks see these cases and they kind of go a little nuts thinking that it's the end of the management contract and and it is not at all the case. When management contracts end, it's often very expensive for the owner. It's one of these things that's not so simple as it looks and don't try this at home alone. <laughs> well, it is interesting and we'll put a link uh, on the show page if you'd like to know more about the Eating Rock decision. Uh, we'll have it there. Well, Judy, what about this, this drive for hotels to be hip and cool and how does a hotel become cool? Well, you know, I think what has happened is um, we've got so many brands and so many different uh, chain scale classifications now that that brands and owners are looking for another place to go and another way to uh, drive demand that will pay more. And a younger demographic will pay more for a more contemporary experience that would be contrasted with a Four Seasons or a Ritz. And so we're just fragmenting more and more the the industry. 
Um, but everybody's doing it, and, um, you know, it means several things. It's a style of design that really does contrast to a traditional, uh, more traditional style like a Four Seasons or a Ritz-Carlton. Um, w hotels and their kind of w light a loft brand does it through the bar and so what you're seeing is a lobby that's being expanded to be a bar and a lot of more residential gathering sections and a lot of things going on in the area so um, it's all about sight and sound and smell sense of arrival is important the video and audio components are key and we can do this without a lot of money, extra money being go, going into it and then attract that other demographic that doesn't want a cookie-cutter experience. Okay, so when uh, they want to go cool with a hotel and they bring those costs to you as a CFO, most of the time uh, that's working in the numbers then. You know, you just look at it and say this is where you get the high impact for for the cost. And that's a big challenge these days because the brands are trying to – invest money in hotels and require owners to to get that uh, loyalty the guest loyalty but there's not always an ROI on that and so an owner has to really look at where do they want to invest uh, to get a return on that investment not just increase brand loyalty to the flag yeah I see okay well Nelson do you have a quick tip for our listeners yeah I I have a quick tip to just dovetail on Judy's Mm -hmm. I I just make the point of you know that what's cool about this business is you got to be two things you got to do the financial engineering to get a return but you got to be hospitable with a hotel business so you got to have good guest facing amenities judy nelson thanks for joining us today we sure appreciate uh, your insight thank you thank you uh, for more information from anyone on the show today you can find the contact information for everyone at commercial com. and i have an invitation for you can you join us next week Well, we'll be discussing prevalent legal issues in the world of commercial real estate. So thanks for joining us today. I'm Michael Bull. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is made available by professionals at Cone Resnick, BB&T, France Media, and Bull Realty. For more information about these companies or to access additional show podcasts or videos, visit commercialrealestateshow.com.